Pastor Xavier Reese with a simple standard for measuring truth. In order to know and judge what is God's doctrine, that which is expected to be taught and learned regarding to God's Word from the Bible in context, you understand? Because this is the plumb line. And whenever you hang a plumb line, let me give you a real secret about a plumb line. It's never crooked. It's the wall. It's always the wall that's crooked. The Word of God is not. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Although the Apostle Paul would not allow his ministry to be constrained or controlled by man, he did, however, deliver the simple truths of God, unrestrained and publicly, bound only by the Holy Spirit. And coming up, Pastor Xavier uses this example of Paul to emphasize the gospel of Jesus Christ is the one and only manual for our own ministry as well. Let's listen. The last meeting with the Ephesian elders was a concentrated review of the last three years of learning with some final details that were in the heart of Paul. Paul the Apostle knew that men can only hold one another accountable in a limited way. The ultimate one we are accountable to is God. So in view of all that Paul has instructed, reminded, and warned these Ephesian elders regarding their personal responsibility and accountability for the care of the church, Paul commends these men, if they're going to be faithful, he commends them to three things that will Ensure that. The ultimate accountability as we see here. And it's found here in verse 32. He says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Here's the three things that he declares them that they're to be commended to. First of all, Paul commends the men to God. Secondly, Paul commends these men to the word of his grace. And thirdly, Paul commends these men to a sanctified life. The foundation, listen to his words. So now, brethren, I commend you to God. The point in time marked the termination of the ministry of Paul at Ephesus, as you know. Ending with this final meeting at Miletus. Two words. So now. As we have seen, Paul had fulfilled his responsibility to the ministry of Ephesus, which Jesus had commissioned him to serve. God had opened the doors. Paul had gone to serve. He took care of all things. This is one of the greatest ways a pastor knows that God has called him and opened the door. As he opens, he doesn't prod them. He doesn't force them. He doesn't try to convince people. God just does it. He looks to God to confirm what he has called them to serve. In verse 19, Paul had spent three years with them. Serving the Lord, he says, with all humility, with many tears and trials of the plotting of the Jews. So he had proven himself. As faithful to the Lord, he was not discouraged neither by the Jews nor anyone else. 
In verse 20 and 21, Paul had been faithful to teach him to preach them to them publicly and from house to house, testifying to the Jews and the Greeks. Listen, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the sheer foundation of the church. Repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what's lacking so often in the messages of the church today. You get away from repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You get into gimmicks. Gimmicks to attract people. Gimmicks to promote yourself. To promote your church. It all will come to an end. In verse 26 to 27, Paul had been faithful to be innocent of the blood of all men, having declared to them the entire word of God, rather than withholding any of God's word. He just proclaimed God's word. He wasn't afraid of offending people in God's word, and he was not apologizing for God's word. Very important. In verse 28, Paul had been faithful to remind them that they were only overseers of God's sovereign choice of them to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood, always remembering as a pastor, always that I am one among you. He did not choose me because I'm brighter. He did not choose me because I'm better. He just chose me because he empowered me to do so with the gifts and all. And so I am to sense a heavy accountability responsibility and my head should hang low, not high. 29 through 31, Paul had given them reason for his counsel. There would be wolves coming in. Also among themselves, there would arise false teachers to draw disciples to themselves. So they were to be vigilant as he had been for three years. Now notice the particular men addressed by Paul were addressed in and by the most basic term that made them one. Listen, brethren, brethren, he's talking to the elders, pastors, bishops, which is overseers. These men were in the family of God. They had once been without Christ, having no hope without God in the world. The darkest description of mankind, Ephesians 2.12. They had repented from their sins and were made near to the, by the blood of Jesus Christ, Ephesians 2.13 says. Everybody comes on the same grounds, my beloved, Jesus Christ. By His precious blood. They had been entrusted by the Holy Spirit to care and watch over the family of God. As Acts 20.28 says. It is never because of me. It's always through me. And so often in spite of me. You understand? Some of these men... Could very well be the three that Paul mentions by name to Timothy. Remember, Paul is, is warning here almost prophetically. And by the time he writes First and Second Timothy, it's already happening and has happened. These men are Hymenus and Alexander. Having rejected faith and good conscience made shipwreck of the faith in First Timothy 1, 19 and 20. He, he writes the names very obvious that everybody knew who they were. They were from within. In 2 Timothy 2.17, Hymenius and Philetus, having strayed from the truth, were teaching that the resurrection had already passed and they were overthrowing the faith of some. What an awesome responsibility for us to lead men to God or away from God. What awesome judgment. 
These men fit under the category of those who depart from the faith in the latter times. In 1 Timothy 4.1, it says, it expressly says, clearly says, that men will depart from the faith in the latter times. Seducing spirits, doctrines of demons. The references to the occasional and seasonal departure that will take place between the first and the second coming. If you were with us in our study, it's very clear. The revelations according to the clear teaching of the Holy Spirit, he cannot lie. This happens in every generation since the first coming. It's just our turn. We're up at bat, you understand? Now notice the proclamation of Paul is that he was commending them to God. I commend you to God. What a wise pastor. The word commend means to place alongside, to deposit or set before. The same word is used by Paul regarding food that is said before someone in 1 Corinthians 10.27. The word expresses the placing of these men accountable before God. The one who sees all things, the one who knows all things, the one who can do all things, the one who knows every motive for why we do the things we do, the one who gives and takes everything away. You see, the elder bishop or pastor is not the true and ultimate overseer of men. Some pastors run their ministry like policemen. If I am suspicious about the men in leadership or in pastorship, if I have to look after you continuously, then you shouldn't be there. This was Paul's practice. In the first missionary journey, if you remember, in Acts 14, 1923. From the first missionary journey, Paul did this. Listen to him. This is the first journey, and it's all Gentiles. They know nothing about the church, know nothing about Judaism, nothing else. And it says this. So when they had appointed elders in every church and prayed with fastings, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. The church of Antioch understood this important principle in the second missionary journey. In Acts 1540, it says, But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. Now, this in no way means that there is to be no measures of accountability for those in leadership as deacons, elders, overseers, or shepherds. But a clear understanding that the ultimate oversight has to be God. Because we can be phonies. We can live a double life. The specific qualifications are given in the pastoral epistles, as you know. 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. These qualifications are the only ones we have. And so often in the church today, these qualifications are ignored for people in ministry. The general principle of abstaining from all appearance of evil is... Good common sense in First Thessalonians 5.22. If you have to drive a mile around, do it. <laughs> you understand? Good common sense. There is a caution given by Paul in First Timothy 5.19 when it comes to accusations against elders, bishops, leaders. Not to put fear in people as if to dominate them. No, no, no. But the seriousness of it. Listen to him. Do not receive an accusation against an elder except from two or three witnesses. In other words, make sure you have your facts 
right. And make sure you have your evidence and make sure you have your witnesses. You are not free to just shoot your lip. And it's so easy to find fault. None of us are perfect. But we should be scriptural, you understand? And so we have to be real careful that we don't become destructive to the church rather than one who builds up the church. Where there is a case, where there is uh, an abuse, certainly there should be a confrontation. But make sure you have your facts together, he says, very, very, very clear. Because what you're doing is you're damaging the reputation of one that God is using. Not to intimidate you, but to just caution you that you have your facts together. You understand what I'm talking about? The consequences in view of spiritual discipline or removal by disqualifications are to be exercised as a warning to others that they may fear upholding the authority of God's word, the scriptures, 1 Timothy 5.20. And so we are not to respect any person or to confront, whether it be a leader or a parishioner that just comes. The way to confront a person is by one, then by two, then by three, then the elders, Matthew 18. And by the way, the responsibility on Matthew 18 falls on the innocent party to confront the guilty party. The way we're to do it, the spirit of gentleness, the way you would want to be confronted. So you have Matthew 18, 5 through 20 and Galatians 6, 1. Go in humility. Say, you know, John, can I talk to you? Uh, you know, I need to get something squared away here. I, I, I hope I'm wrong. This is what I've heard or this is what I think. These are my impressions. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Rather than saying, John, you idiot. I can't believe you, hypocrite. How you want to be confronted? We are bad news, ladies and gentlemen. I included if I walk in the flesh. You guys see me clothed and sane up here every Sunday. In my right mind. But you would never want to see your pastor in the flesh. It's ugly. Just like it's ugly if you're in the flesh. The Lord Jesus Christ is the true overseer of men and women. In the work of ministry as Paul has stated. That does not do away with measures that are practical. But let's not deceive ourselves. Men cannot constrain or control men. You understand? The individual service will be seen by God alone if it is of true humility and genuine tears, as Paul's in chapter 20 here, verse 19. The individual is responsible to God to preach and to teach the word of God faithfully, verse 20 and 21. The individual is accountable to God for the ministry he or she has received of the Lord and to finish his race with joy. We're not to be whiny pants. The individual's love for the sheep will be known by the type of shepherd that person is. Verse 28 through 31. The personal responsibility of each person in ministry is much like raising children by parents. You pour your lives into your children and make them accountable. Prepare them for life. Some will walk with God, some will not. But ultimately, they alone 
are responsible and will give an accountability to God for all their actions, all their words, and all their deeds. You hold them accountable under your roof. We hold men and women accountable in the church. But the ultimate accountability is to God. Each person must wait on their calling and their gifts. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance or irrevocable. Romans eleven twenty nine says. He doesn't take them away. We disqualify ourselves. You understand? He gives us a chance to serve. And then he lets time run. Each person must be obedient and faithful to the ministry they are called to by the Lord. Paul the Apostle writing to the Colossians in Colossians um, 4, 17 says this. And say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. What will the Lord tell you on the day of judgment with the ministry you have been given? And you have been given a ministry. I don't know what it is, but you have a ministry to do in the church. My responsibility is to equip you so you can do the work of ministry. Each person must trust and yield to Jesus for everything he is called to. Listen to Paul, Philippians 4.13. This is the promise that Paul gives. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. The context is not all things that I want to do, but all things God calls me to do, He will enable me. If God raises me up as a pastor, He's going to bring the people. He's going to take care of the finances. My responsibility is to teach and to pray and to oversee the flock of God. That's my responsibility. Nothing more. I'm not a policeman. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a marketing specialist. Don't want to be. Paul reminds the Philippians of his personal responsibility to hear the voice of God, not only for ministry, but his own life. And he says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. Listen well. He says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold on me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended or arrived. But one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to the things that are ahead, I press towards the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forward, advancing in Christ, depending on Him for the next day, the next decision, which way to go, only what He wants. He has been faithful in every way. And if you stick to the word, then there's order. The church runs smooth. There is no lordship in Christ. First Peter 5, 1 through 4 tells us real clearly. We are under shepherds. We do things willingly according to God's gifting. We do it with humility and we do it with the fear of God and knowing that He will reward. We don't look for reward anywhere else. Paul commended these elders to God. Ultimately, that's the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. Now notice secondly. Paul commended the men to the word of his grace. And to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance. Now, the point being that the word of God is the only manual for the ministry. This is the very point. The word of God is the only manual for ministry. 
The term the word of grace refers to the scriptures as you know. The revelation of God to man, both Old Testament and New Testament. Because if you're going to start teaching the doctrine of grace, you have to go back to Genesis 8. Where it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. (laughs) The new is contained in the old. And the old is explained by the new. The more specific reference by Paul is here in the New Testament, the covenant of grace. We understand this. Grace is unmerited favor, as you know, undeserved. Grace is bestowed in and by the person of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, based on the finished work of the cross and confirmed by the resurrection. The word of His grace is profitable or advantageous for Christian service. Being the revelation of God. You remember in Second uh, Timothy 3, 16 and 17. That all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is um, profitable for um, doctrine, correction, instruction, reproof, so on and so forth. And there in that passage. All scripture is inspired. Which means theonusto. Meaning breathe out. Literally expired from God. Describing here the manner by which that revelation was brought forth. In origin and source, it's from God, not man. The order that is given is important. First, in order to know and judge what is God's doctrine. The word their doctrine means that which is expected to be taught and learned regarding to God's word. So if I believe and somebody tells me it's God's doctrine, then that has to come from the Bible in context. You understand? Not outside of the Bible. In order to reprove, that is to show a person his error by conviction, whether they have it, acknowledge it or not, doesn't matter. Because this is the plumb line. And whenever you hang a plumb line, let me give you a real secret about a plumb line. It's never crooked, it's the wall. It's always the wall that's crooked. The word of God is not. Also in order to correct, the word correction is to restore a person to an upright state. To the word of God providing the right solution and answers. It's not good just to say you're wrong, but how do I correct it? And then in order to instruct in righteousness, the word there is for tutorage, the training of a child. To cultivate their mind, their morals, and their spiritual virtues by word and deed. What is right and just. Only the word of God can do this. And the man of God then will be thoroughly equipped, it says there. For every good work. And the word there, thoroughly equipped, is every work. It means to be totally outfitted. Totally given the ability, the necessary things to fulfill that. In fact, it is used for a wagon or a rescue boat completely fitted for a rescue. Proficient, competent. Peter tells us that all the scriptures are inspired, meaning the origin of the autographs or the manuscripts. And they're without error, as you know, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Peter assures us in verse 20 that the prophecy of the scriptures is of no human origin or impulse, implying and confirming that it was breathed or expired from God, as we just saw in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Pastor Xavier Reese with the Word of Grace, the simple truths of Scripture 
that is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, there's much more to this study to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy of this message, and the title you'll want to ask for is The Pastor Commends Men to God. It's available on CD for only $4, and this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. And once again, the title to ask for is The Pastor Commends Men to God, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Cleansing water, a two-edged sword of conviction, a lamp to keep our feet from stumbling. We know scripture by many names. Tell a friend to join us as we mine the simple truths of God's Word with Pastor Xavier Reese next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com